Well, good morning. It's, oh, come on, we can do better than that. Good morning. <laughs> great, great. I told the first service, you know it is not good when the telephone rings at 10 o'clock at night and you look down and your caller ID says the call is coming from Pastor Josh. And uh, so we do want to lift him up in prayer and ask God to touch him and heal him. So you don't have him today, you have me. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to the book of Mark. Mark, the eighth chapter. This morning we're going to look at a story that we um, maybe don't look at very often, but I think that there is a lesson in it for us. Mark 8, and we're going to begin reading in verse 22. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And Jesus sent him home saying, do not go into the village. I think that this is a fascinating story for us to look at. Mark is the only one of the gospel writers who includes this story in his writings, but I think when we look closer, we see that there's something not only for this man in that day, but there's something for us today, too. The passage begins by saying some people brought a blind man to Jesus and begged him to touch him and heal him. Very often when I read a Bible story like this, I want to know who are some people. Who are the they that the scripture is talking about? Were they people that just wanted to see Jesus do another miracle? Maybe they had been there when Jesus healed the leper or healed the paralytic and they wanted to see it again, so they just went out on the street and they found somebody that looked like they needed to be cured of something, and they thought, well, let's take him to Jesus. Let's see what Jesus will do. Or was this blind man a friend of theirs, someone who they had seen struggle and suffer over the years, and they loved him and they cared very deeply about him, and so they wanted to see what Jesus would do to help him. In that day and age, blindness was not a good thing. Now, not that it's a good thing today either, but it was even worse in that day. And very often in that day, the condition was aggravated because of poor hygiene. Barclay, in his commentary, tells us that it was quite common to see people who had their eyes matted shut and even to see people 
who flies have gathered around and had become encrusted in that matting on their eyes. And of course, that would lead to infection and to blindness. So it wasn't that you could just go to your optometrist and get some eye drops to put in. It was much worse than it would be today to have to deal with. So who were these people that brought this man? Well, I would like to believe that these were friends. I would like to believe that they had seen and heard the powerful things that Jesus had done, and it reminded them of their friend who needed a touch from Jesus. I'd like to think that they were friends who they themselves trusted and believed in Jesus Christ so much, and they wanted their friend to have that same kind of a relationship. But I think that scenario, that they were friends who loved this man, brings a question to you and I. How much do we love our blind friends? I'm not just talking about our friends who have a physical illness, but I'm talking about our friends who are spiritually blind our friends and our family who don't know Jesus, who have not experienced his touch, those friends who probably are not going to discover the Christian life on their own, do we love our friends enough that we will take them to Jesus? Do we love them enough that we want them to have that kind of eternal life that you and I have? The story continues, and it says that Jesus took the man by the hand and led him out of the village. I have to think that as long as that blind man stayed in that village where he knew where things were, he knew that if he went three steps to the right that he would trip over a tree stump, or if he went four steps to the left, that was the city village well, and he didn't want to fall in that he was comfortable as long as he stayed in this area that he knew about. But along comes Jesus, and the first thing he does is he removes him from what he's comfortable with. He takes him away from what is familiar and secure to him. Jesus will do that to us, won't he? You know, sometimes we come to him with a problem or we're in a sticky situation and we need some help with it. And right away we realize, I don't know what to do. I've never been through this before. We are out of our comfort zone just like this man was. And sometimes we need to be taken out of our comfort zone. Sometimes that's how God gets our attention. Kind of like he doesn't just touch me, he wumps me up the side of the head and says, Louise, it's time to pay attention to what I've got to say. But whatever it is, God sometimes needs to expand this box that we have put ourselves in. I'm reminded of Laura Story's song, Blessings. And in there, she says that our blessings might come through raindrops or tears or sleepless nights. 
And then she continues and she says, what if the trials of this life are your mercies in disguise, God? Yes, uncomfortable places sometimes is where God takes us to and where he wants us to go. So Jesus took this man out of his comfort zone. And it says that once they were outside of the village, Jesus spit on the blind man's eyes and touched him and then said to him, can you see anything now? Now, I don't know about you, but I go to Dr. Matthew Hurst in New Philadelphia. And I can tell you that I have an appointment there next week. And if I get in there and get set down in his chair and he spits in my eyes, I'm not sticking around to see whether it works or not. That's foreign to us in this day and age, isn't it? But in that ancient world, they believed that there was healing power in spit. Now stop and think about it just a minute, though. If you were to burn your finger, what's the first thing you do? You probably shake it, and then you stick it in your mouth. Well, what's in your mouth? Spit. Saliva. And however it works, it seems to kind of give us some relief, doesn't it? And so this was seemed like a perfectly natural thing in that day and age, for Jesus to do to this man. Now because of his answer to Jesus' question, some scholars believe that this man was not born blind, that at one point in his life he had been able to see. He knows what people looked like. He knows what trees looked like. And he knew what he was seeing was not right. His sight was still distorted. And so it says that Jesus placed his hands on his eyes again, and this time his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he could see clearly. And the first thing that he saw would have been the face of Jesus. What a wonderful thing to see. But there was some progression to what happened here. First, his eyes were opened, then his sight was restored, and then he could see clearly. He could not just read the big letters at the top of the eye chart, but he could read those little tiny ones down at the bottom of the chart as well. But the unusual thing about this story is that Jesus had to touch him twice for him to be able to have complete restoration. So, so what does that mean? Was, was Jesus having an off day that day when it came to healing? Were his healing powers just not quite right? He knew when he got up that morning that he just didn't feel quite right and he touched this man and, well, it's true, something was not right. Well, I don't think it was that at all. I think that Jesus wanted to use this story as a teaching moment. And so if he was using it as a teaching moment then, I think we need to pay attention again to what he is teaching and we should learn for it. 
You see, Jesus was leading this man in faith. When he touched his eyes the first time, I think that that man didn't quite completely believe. I think he was a little bit skeptical about the power that Jesus had. But after the second time Jesus touched him, there was no question at all. And his faith was strengthened and everything began to be clear to him. When you think about it, that's how the Lord works in our lives as well. Some people hear the gospel, and the very first time they hear it, they're drawn to Jesus, and they believe all of it, and they accept him as their Lord and Savior. But for an awful lot of us, that probably did not happen the first time we heard the gospel story. It probably was a process, and we heard it several times before it really sunk in and took hold before we really believed. The seeds were planted and they began to grow. And the, today, the Spirit continues to work in our life. And every day we come to a fuller understanding. We see a little bit more clearly. But the process is ongoing. All throughout our life, God leads us and strengthens us in our faith. And so often, those times of strengthening come, just like that song said, during the teardrops, during the rain, during those sleepless nights, during those times when we are troubled about the things that we are experiencing. And that's when Jesus reaches out and touches us again, and our sight becomes more clear. Chuck Colson tells a story about his friend Jack Eckert. Jack Eckert was a drugstore tycoon. Some of you maybe have shopped in an Eckert's drugstore before. At different times, Jack Eckert owned thousands of drugstores across the United States. And he and Chuck Colson had become friends Colson by this time had become a Christian, but Jack Eckert was not. And Colson used every opportunity that he had to share the gospel with Eckert. And finally, one day, Jack Eckert called him. And over the phone, Chuck Colson led him in a prayer of confession. And Jack Eckert began to see things differently after that. Colson tells a story that Shortly after this conversion happened, Jack Eckert was walking through one of the stores and he happened to walk down the magazine aisle and he looked over at the magazine rack and what he saw were copies of Penthouse and Playboy and Hustler. Now, it had never bothered him before to have those magazines in his stores. But now, there's been a change. He sees things differently and that day, it upset him greatly. Colson tells that Jack Eckert called the CEO of the company and said, get those magazines off the shelves in our stores. And the CEO argued with him. He said, Mr. Eckert, those magazines bring us over $3 million profit every year. Why would you want to get rid of that? Well, it was because 
Jack Eckert was seeing things differently. Colson said to him, had you done that because you were a Christian? And Eckert's response was, why else would I give up $3 million? The Lord wouldn't let me off the hook. Eckert was faithful to what God had asked him to do, and he continued to be a successful businessman. God opened his eyes and led him and strengthened him. His spiritual vision was improved. One of the lessons that this passage teaches us is that Jesus doesn't always work the same with every one of us. God is a God of variety, and he has a variety of ways of getting our attention and teaching us and opening our eyes. If we were to talk to other people in scriptures that had had their blindness healed by Jesus, we would see that he did it in different ways. Back in Matthew 9, two men who were blind were healed, and their report of the healing would be like this. I was blind, and Jesus touched me once, and I was healed. That's the way Jesus works. But this man here in Mark would say, no, that's not how it works. I was blind, and Jesus touched me, and and I saw trees walking around, and so he touched me again. It takes two touches from Jesus. But then again in John 9, another man, another blind man is healed. And his story was different again. He would say, you're both wrong. I was blind and Jesus spit in the dirt and made some clay that he put on my eyes. And then he told me to go wash off in the pool of Siloam. That's how Jesus heals the blind. Well, all of them were healed. All of them could see. But Jesus used different ways to bring about that healing. And that happens in our lives too. He might touch us once. He might touch us twice. He might touch us five times. But he's going to draw us closer to him if we are willing to accept his touch. Philippians 1.6 says this, God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. You see, it's an ongoing process. Every day, God is going to strengthen our faith if we will allow him to, and he's going to do that until he returns again. I am so very grateful for God's touches in my life. I am grateful that he loves me enough to touch me time and time again. See, we don't get everything that God wants us to know all at once. We have to keep going back and learning over and over again. When we look at Jesus and how he interacted with his disciples, we see that that was how it worked with them. Jesus would teach them something, and they were slow to understand it, or they forgot it, and so he would teach them again. The same thing, he would tell them again. But it seems like so often they would hear what he had to say, 
and the next time they faced a problem, they had already forgotten what he had done through them and for them. In fact, this story in Mark takes place in the middle of a teaching session that Jesus was having with his disciples. And in the middle of that teaching session, he had to touch this man twice. He'd never done that before. It was an object lesson that he wanted the disciples to get. And it's an object lesson for us today because very often Jesus needs to come to us and rescue us. Maybe the reason that you're here this morning is because you feel the need for a touch from Jesus. Maybe you committed your life to Christ some time ago, but you've been drifting away. You've not stayed as close as what you once were. That happens to all of us at times during our life. But all we have to do is call out to him. All we have to do is to ask him to fill us anew like he did in the beginning. He wants to give us that second touch. He wants to draw us closer to him. We just need to go to him and ask him to give us, to do a deeper work, to do a cleansing work, to feel his power once again or maybe today you're here and you need some encouragement things have been rough you know even the disciples grew weary as they walked with Jesus and just like them we need to reach out to him we need to ask him to restore our joy to fill us with his spirit once again and to rekindle the hope that we once had one touch was what it took to get us started in our Christian walk. And sometimes we need that second touch just to give us a little bit more, to keep us going, to help us not get so discouraged. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've never experienced any kind of touch from Jesus. You have never given your heart to him, your life to him. You have never said, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. He's here today. He wants you to experience that touch. He wants to increase your faith and to have you trust him and know that he loves you very much and care for you. There's only one way to receive salvation. And that's by believing that Jesus, God's only son, came to save us from eternal damnation. He walked away from a perfect life in heaven. And he came to this earth and he experienced things just like you and I do. He came knowing he was going to have to face death. But the result of what he did gives us eternal life and the only way to get to heaven is when we believe in him and when we trust him so this morning no matter where you're at allow him to touch you again allow him to touch you once or twice or maybe a hundred times whatever it takes he is there he is willing and waiting 
to reach out, to touch us, to bless us, to help us draw stronger and closer to him. Sometimes he has to move us out of our little box to get our attention. But we can experience that touch from the master. And we can know his love if we will allow him to touch us. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning and we ask for your touch. We ask that you would draw very near to us, that we would feel you, Lord, that we would have no doubt at all in our minds that you are here and that you love us. And Father, that you want to draw closer to us as we draw closer to you. Lord, I ask this morning that you will give us the courage to reach out to you, that you will help us to realize that we cannot get through this life on our own, but we need you. And so, Father, we come to you. We love you, and we ask that you would just wrap your hands around us that we might feel your strength coming into us and helping us. And Father, if there's one here today who has never experienced that, Lord, we pray that today would be the day that they would know that they have eternal life, that they would know that you are a Lord who loves and that they will experience that like never before. Thank you, Father for being with us, for leading us and guiding us. We ask this in your name. Amen.
passionnée. 